Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Catholic voice in America. On this show, I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like why the world isn't working right now. The Protestant Reformation is over. Christians now have more commonalities than differences, yet evil is spreading and the enemy is winning because we're still fighting each other over self-righteous labels and high-level theology. If you disagree with me, then you're part of the problem. Listen, as Christians, we're all baptized into God's family. We all want heaven, and we all struggle with the same human brokenness. United we stand, divided we fall, it's that simple. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist who was almost murdered twice. But God spared me because he had a higher purpose for my life. My mission is to unify Christians everywhere. This show was created for you, the person who wants to be accepted and loved and reminded that God has a higher purpose for your life. Let's get started. Today, our featured guest is Mary DeMuth. And Mary is an international speaker and podcaster like myself. She's part of the podcasting family. We're out there changing lives. And she's a novelist, uh, a nonfiction author of 36 books. You heard me, right? 36 books. Who does that? Including her latest book, The Seven Deadly Friendships, put out by Harvest House Publishing uh, this year, right? 2018. Mm -hmm. She loves to help people restory their lives, right? How do you start over again, right? When you got that broken past, how do you restore your life? So she lives in Texas with her husband of 28 years. Congratulations. And is the mom to three adult children. You can find out more at marydemuth.com. I'm a spell, the last name, D as in Dominic, E-M-U-T-H.com. That's marydemuth.com. Or you can be prayed for, and we all need prayers. You can be prayed for on her daily prayer podcast called Pray Every Day. That's right. That's what we're going to talk about today. Praying every day, why you need it, why you're resisting it, and how God wants to hit you upside the head with a two by four and start praying every day. You can find her podcast at prayeveryday.show, prayeveryday.show. Mary, welcome to my show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. And, and yeah, I, I forget sometimes that that's a lot of books because it's just been my life for the past couple of years. But um, yeah, I, like you, I've, uh, I love to podcast and I also love to pray. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and um, just got back from Switzerland teaching writers about how to write and publish their books. So it's been a really fun couple of weeks. I'm a little bit uh, jet lagged, but I am going to be just as peppy as I can be. Well, Mary, just so you know, I am excellent at what I do. So I'm going to pull out the best of you. <laughs> pull out the pep. <laughs> regardless of the jet lag. DC Nation, Broken Catholic Nation, she's like jet setting. She's in Switzerland helping people write their stories. And we're going to talk about her story today. So here's why I invited Mary on the show. I met Mary at the New Media Summit in Austin, Texas. So I came to her neighborhood I came to her hood, right? And we got to know each other a little bit. And I remember when she got up on stage as what they call an icon of influence. And she mentioned, yeah, I have a, pod a podcast called Pray Every Day. And, 
And immediately my ears tingled because I had been doing this 40 day holy hour challenge and I had just started it. And it's all about spending an hour a day in silence with God every morning at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And here's a fellow podcaster on stage with a podcast called Pray Every Day. Can you see the connection? (laughs) I did. And immediately I was like, I got to have her on the show. And hopefully she'll invite me on uh, her show as well if I don't, you know, ask two provocative questions today, (laughs) right? We'll see how it goes. So this is why Mary is on the show because she and I believe in the power of prayer and more importantly, the power of daily prayer. The same way that you would build a relationship or a friendship by spending time with the other person so that they can get to know you and you spend time with them so they can, uh, you can get to know them as well, right? It's this reciprocity in the relationship. And it, the, the secret ingredient is spending time every day with your creator. If you want to deepen your relationship, that's what it's all about. So that's why I want to chat with Mary and bring her on the show to talk about this. So Mary, let's go back in time. Well, before we go back in time, I really want you to go big and broad for a second. Why do you think that the world isn't working right now? Oh, um, wow. So we don't have enough time for that, but uh, <laughs> give me, give me the short answer. Yes, I will give you the short answer. It's because there's sin in the world and uh, people want to do what they want to do. And they don't necessarily uh, view life through the lens of empathy. And mm. uh, they want to become their own gods. And when you become your own God, which is the first lie in the garden of Eden, then you start oppressing others and harming them. Because if you're God, then you're bigger than other people or greater than them. You can do whatever you want to them because you have made yourself into God. So I think that if you want to look at all the issues like genocide or sex trafficking or any of these great big issues in our world, it always boils down to an extreme self-centeredness. And if you really want to peel it back, it usually boils down to economics, which is in and of itself, one of its, one of the most insidious gods, um, the God of money and uh, peel back any sort of political scandal. Almost always there's going to be some sort of money laundering going on something about having more of it because if we have money, And just a quick little story. When I was in uh, Ghana, I had a friend named Paul and he said to me, what would you do if you, if your child got sick? And I said, well, I would call the doctor and I would go to the doctor. And he's like, "Um, well, I don't have that luxury. So I pray. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize that my first go-to was economic. I was going to, what I could do with money is I could go to the doctor. His, he didn't have that opportunity. So his first line of defense was, I'm going to pray for my child. And that really convicted me and helped me to see that, wow, it's not really, uh, I need to make sure that my God is not money, but it, that it is, is actually the God of the universe who wants to intercede and help us. Wow. You know, that was a short answer and a powerful <laughs> answer. And I really mean that. Like you went there, you went into the answer that is going to make some of my audience cringe a little. And say, wait a second, is Mary saying that I want to become my own God? And and I think what you're saying, Mary, what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, we all do. And if we think we don't, we're lying to ourselves. This is our broken fall in nature. This is when sin entered mankind. 
It's starting in Genesis, like you said, Mary, right? The enemy said, you can be like gods, right? God is not a good father. You can't trust him. He's holding something back from you. He just doesn't want you to be equal to him, but you can be, right? And this is the, the first sales pitch on planet Earth. And it was very successful, 100% closing rate right? And the enemy tricked us and he's been tricking us ever since. Thank you for going there, Mary. That was powerful. All right. So let's get personal now. I want you to go back in time, Mary, and tell me and share with us, how did you first experience God in your life, right? What are your top three tips or strategies of how you went from maybe knowing and being raised with God in your head, very cerebral faith, to actually experiencing God deep within your heart as real and tangible as you and I speaking right now? Well, I wasn't raised with the Lord, so um, I had no idea about him. But as I look back on my story, I can see his intersection in many different ways. So one of the ways, oddly, is um, when I was five years old, I had a a babysitter and I would be at her house after kindergarten and these three neighborhood boys would come and they would pick me up and they would rape me. So they did that for a year. And uh, eventually I, I tried to tell my babysitter and she said that she would tell my mom and uh, she never did, but I felt like nobody cared for me. And so I learned the art of sleeping to avoid those boys. And eventually we moved away from there the scar remained. I felt like I had something on my forehead that said, come molest me. So I had all of that going on. And by the time I was 10, um, I, I, my mom had been in three different marriages and my biological father died. And so by the time I was in the seventh and eighth grade, uh, I started writing. So as a writer, I, but I was writing suicide poetry. I wanted to take my life. I would look at the ground at my feet and think, what, why am I even here in this earth? I literally knew nothing about Jesus. I knew that he was a swear word. I did not know he was connected to Christmas or Easter. And um, in my eighth grade year, I had a, a counselor at my junior high who I believe was a Christ follower and he saved my life. When I was in the ninth grade, I was invited to something called Young Life, which was a ministry to high school kids. And basically lots of singing and crazy stuff. But the last 15 minutes, someone would stand up and talk about Jesus for 15 minutes. And that was my first time encountering him. I could feel my heart leap out of my chest. Every time I heard about Jesus, I just wanted to know him. And the last question that they asked at the end of my school year was they just shared the story of Jesus calming the seas. And one of the disciples said, who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? And that question just moved in and through my mind. And when uh, I was a sophomore, I went to a weekend camp where I heard the whole gospel of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins, resurrecting. And one of the things that's probably the most touching or interesting moment of meeting Christ was when all of the sexual abuse was happening at five, it was, I was in the Seattle area and it was usually in this terrible park with these large evergreen trees. And I would fly up in my mind to the top of the trees when it was happening. And when I met Christ at 15, I heard the gospel. I went outside, it was dark. I sat under a very large evergreen tree the place of my greatest violation where I had just heard about Jesus dying on a tree. And I asked him this question. I said, would you be the daddy who will never leave me? Because I was at that point a fatherless girl. 
And uh, so that was my first really strong encounter with God was at 15, where I really met him then. And then, um, yeah, from that point on, it's just been a, a pretty long, involved healing journey from some of those wounds from childhood. And now I'm someone who likes to advocate for sexual abuse victims I'm writing a book right now about it, about how the church can become a safe place finally for sexual abuse victims. I've got to write that book in three weeks, so I'm a, I'm a little <laughs> stressed. But, um, but yeah, so that's kind of, that gives you the first, the first encounter that I had was 15 years old. But I also look back on my life and see how even when those, that violation was happening at five, one of the gifts God gave me was I knew that what those boys did to me was wrong. And many sexual abuse victims, they feel like they deserved it or something. But I weirdly understood that I didn't. And, and then having me move away from that situation was also a part of God's hand in rescuing me from a really bad, you know, traumatic situation. You got me speechless, Mary, and that doesn't happen often. <laughs> <sighs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. <laughs> that just straight up sucks, right? This is the evil in the world. BC Nation, this is what happens when we turn our back on God. It turns to chaos, right? It turns to chaos. Like Mary said early on, we end up using each other and abusing each other as children of God. We forget our dignity as children. We forget others' dignity as children of God. And we start seeing each other as possessions. Mary, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I mean, this is exactly why I do the show. Mm, this welcome. is it. This is it, right? Broken Catholic, right? Mm -hmm. We're all broken. We got broken past. It doesn't matter what you know, label, faith, denomination you identify with or we're raised in. We all worship the same God. We all want heaven, right? And we're trying the best we can in our brokenness. And it really comes down to what C.S. Lewis says, which is we need to remove ourself of self and become little Jesuses, allow him to take over and consume our life and use us powerfully in this world. All right. So going back real quick, um, just for my own uh, note taking here, age five, how long did um, that rape with the three boys go last? Was that months, years? What was that? It was my, most of my kindergarten career. Um, I, I did. I think it was about three quarters of the way through when they started inviting other people that that was when I thought I'm going to die if this keeps happening. And I was five. I don't know why I was thinking that, but it probably was true. And that's when I told my babysitter and she, she said she would tell my mom. So the next day I expected them to come, but for somehow I would be rescued, but she just allowed me to go out again. And that's when I realized that I had to take care of myself, that no one else in the world cared about me. And I was going to have mm -hmm. to learn how to sleep. So I would go eat my peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I would run into the babysitter's bed. I would pull the covers over my head and pretend to sleep for four or five hours. And thankfully she was too lazy to try to wake me up. And I just simply chose not to wake up. And I, I was able to save quote unquote, save myself for the rest of that school year. But I, I don't exactly remember the month that it happened, but just that it was probably six to eight months of sexual abuse and then a couple months where I was able to escape. Wow. Just so powerful. How as children, we create coping mechanisms to deal with the trauma, right? That we're going through and we all have different trauma and BC nation. You're listening to Mary right now and maybe your eyes are filled up with tears 
because her, her story is um, opening the wound of your story. And Mary, here's what I'm going to ask you is how did you finally, what did you do with all that pain and hurt and woundedness? What did you do specifically? That, those are my top three strategies I'm going to pull from you, Good. right? Because my listener right now, they're sitting with it right now. They don't know what to do with the woundedness they've gone through, the pain, and they've suppressed it, but it's still there and it's sabotaging their future. Um, what did you do? Give me the top three steps you took. Um, what did you do with all that? Yeah. So um, the first one was to become gutsy, to tell your story. And when I talk to audiences, I tell them that um, this simple phrase, an untold story never heals. It just comes out in your actions later that bewilder you. And so if you don't tell it, it will come out. It just will come out in behaviors that you're sad about, like um, addictive behaviors or words that you swore you'd never say to your kids or all sorts of things. And so you need to let it out into the light of day and tell your story and be gutsy. I started doing that in college. And um, so I was a baby Christian, maybe two or three years old. And I had these friends in college who they just prayed for me for four years. I told my story as many times as I could, and they just prayed and prayed. And that was an extremely good foundation for um, healing in my life. Of course, I had you know counseling and all those other things later on, but that was one of the best foundations of healing I've ever experienced, was telling my story, being listened to, and being prayed for. The second thing I would say is, um, sadly, what wounds us is what heals us. And so when we've been wounded in negative community, God often asks us to find safe and good community to find healing. Because when we're broken in community, the way out is to be healed in community. And you kind of see that in my relationship with my friends in college that, yes, I was wounded in negative community, but God was calling me to be vulnerable again, which was excruciating. I didn't want to be. But they, those people the body of Christ were the hands and feet of Jesus to me. And they, they prayed me back to health. And so I had to realize that yes, we're broken in broken relationships, but we're healed in good relationships. And of course that involves learning who a safe person is, you know, and learning discernment and all that. And then the last thing I would say is to, um, to be a hero. So some of the best ways that I have healed after I've told my story and I've engaged in good community is um, I heal a lot when I help others heal. So we are set free to be emancipators of other people. And so I love to be able to tell my story so that other people like your listeners don't feel alone anymore. They don't have to feel shame about their story. In my case, I don't need to own that shame. I wasn't the perpetrator of myself. The people who created the shame are the ones that bear the weight of that shame. And I no longer have to hold that. Neither does your audience. This is not their fault that they were um, exploited or hurt in their past. It's the fault of the person who did it. And letting it out into the air, you know, into the open is my way of shepherding others toward wholeness and health. And there's just something beautiful and dynamic that happens when I get to see someone set free. It's, it, there's a little part of me that gets another part of me that gets set free. So um, be a hero to someone else. Don't just heal for the sake of, of you, although that's awesome. Um, heal for the sake of others. And a lot of times I think we think, oh, well, I don't want to dredge up the past. It's kind of selfish or self-absorbed self or narcissistic or whatever. But when I talk to people who love someone who survived trauma 
and I ask them, would it be a gift to you if your spouse or friend healed? They well, Their eyes well up with tears and say yes. And so if you cannot heal for the sake of you, do it for the sake of your loved ones. A healed heart is the best gift that you will give the people you love. They need you to have a healed heart. Wow. BC Nation, there you go. Three steps to go from woundedness and trauma and pain to freedom. Three steps. So where did God play into this specifically? Like share with us your conversation with God, because I'm guessing, and I'm just guessing here, that at some point or many times in your prayer, you let go of this. You gave this to God, the past, the hurts, the wounds. Walk me through that. How did you do it? Well, I think one of the most difficult things for victims to do is when a church tells them to immediately forgive and like force it on someone. Uh, My journey of forgiveness toward those boys um, has been a long time and it's a layered process. And so I just want to give your listeners that, that piece of the puzzle that it can be a process and you can choose to forgive today and then something could happen tomorrow. And it just, even if you feel like, oh no, now it means I haven't forgiven because I'm having these emotions about it. No, that just means you have another layer and it's a long thing. It's not necessarily a one and done. And so my heart in healing and learning all of that is to be extremely honest with God. And so I would tell him when I was frustrated and the journey felt a lot longer than it needed to be. Um, And I would just say, I'm mad at you. (laughs) I don't understand why I'm not 100% here. Why can't I, you know, engage the way I want to in life or um, why is, why am I still held back by this, you know, this trauma? And, um, as I look back over my life, I see tremendous growth and tremendous healing. But when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the thick of it and all the grass is all around you and you're like way down there in one of those like shrinking movies, you know, and everything looks large, uh, sometimes God's really gracious and he pulls us above those, those blades of grass and, uh, he shows us, you know, what what's going on. And so I'm really grateful for that. So I'd like to add to that BC nation. What I'm hearing Mary share with you is something so powerful and so important. And there's a distinction between forgiveness and healing. And I believe, and this is what I'm hearing you say, Mary, correct me if I'm incorrect here is that forgiveness is a decision in the moment, but then the healing happens after, right? And the healing could be a long process. And I believe that forgiveness is actually the gateway to start the healing process. That's why God says, Jesus says, forgive others, right? Make the decision to forgive, even regard, irregardless of the feelings, right? That doesn't mean you have to feel like forgiving them. You could still like be mad and broken and unhealed and angry, but forgive because Jesus says to forgive so that it opens up the door for him to allow the healing into your life. And I think that's important that we don't collapse the two together, that they are separate and distinct. Forgiveness is the key to unlock that door to healing. What would you add to that? I would say as I look at a holy God and my mountain of sins between he and I, which I was raised in the Pacific Northwest, so I look at Mount Rainier, and that's a really big mountain. And then what he's asking me is to forgive a molehill of sins between me and someone else mm. um, compared to the, the gravity of my own sin. Of course, I've been forgiven the mountains. So why wouldn't I forgive the molehill? And you're right. It's the first step toward healing. And it, it's not emotional. It's just a choice. 
and you will be working that out. I mean, the scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so that's part of your working out of your salvation is, is choosing to forgive and then saying it again and again, okay, Lord, that hurt. I'm going to choose to forgive again. And it doesn't absolve the person of the crime or the, of what they've done. God is still a God of justice and he sees everything. So it doesn't mean that you're copping out by saying, well, I just don't care, you know, about justice or anything. It's just, it's for your sake to become a forgiving person releases you from bitterness and God will deal with that other person in the way he will deal with with them. Something I've learned along the way, um, when someone hurts me, Mary, I forgive immediately. And then I call down a blessing upon them. Mm. Right. Because Jesus says, right. Bless your enemies. Right. Mm -hmm. And like he will, I forgot how the actual uh, Bible quote, but I'm paraphrasing, maybe you know it, but he will like heap coals upon mm -hmm. them. Right. Mm -hmm. So God's wrath and justice is far more extensive than anything you could come up with in your own brain of how to hurt that person, right? So call down God's blessings, not because you want to do them harm, but because you want to be set free. Don't drink the poison of bitterness. That's what Mary's saying right here. And I think it's a powerful message. So Mary, let's, let's kind of um, speed this up a little bit. What mistake, what was that big hairy mistake or that you made? And when I say mistake, maybe it was the you got in the way of what God was trying to do in you and through you. Um, you slowed down the process possibly, right? We all do this. Um, and it was a blind spot, but looking back in retrospect, you go, Oh my gosh, like I totally got in God's way of what he was trying to do. What's that big hairy uh, monster size mistake or setback? I think it would be like people pleasing and reputation management. So um, as an author and someone who's a public figure, I could get really upset about, you know, something that someone said about me or whatever, and I could spend lots of time trying to fix it. And the Lord has been very clear. I'm the God of your reputation. He's the one that defends me and I don't mm. need to, you know, clamor to try to make it work. I think earlier in my career, I was more upset about those kind of things. And now I'm like, well, that's not true. And I can rest in knowing it's not true. And I can let God take care of that. I don't have to try to micromanage my reputation. Wow. That's so powerful. I just learned something from you because I get <laughs> so caught glad. up. No, seriously, Mary, I get caught up in that, right? With stuff going on right now, I have a lot of pieces falling down around me and I'm trying to juggle them. And I think the biggest, scariest part is how people are going to perceive me if I don't catch all the pieces. Right. Mm -hmm. So actually my reputation and status, like, did he try enough? He could have done more, right? Mm -hmm. These types of things. And, and you just really added to me that God's in charge of my reputation. Like he'll defend my reputation if I just keep following him and trusting him. Well, and you look at, Je look at Jesus before he's crucified, he said not one word. <laughs> so he's our example. When he was accused of things, he just was quiet. And there's some really powerful things about quiet, hard, but good. All right. So let's talk daily prayer, girl. I want to talk okay. daily prayer. Why is it so important? Like I do a 40 day holy hour challenge where I literally challenge you to spend an hour a day. The reason why it's an hour, people ask me all the time, why an hour? I don't have an hour in my schedule, Joseph. Are you insane? Finding an hour in 2018, that's impossible. But just like any new habit, you build up the stamina for it. But the reason why is it takes the human mind about 50 minutes to quiet down the noise <laughs> of the world. 
like yeah. just scientifically proven, right? So it's about 50, 55 minutes. So you really only get about mm -hmm. five to 10 minutes of quiet intimacy with the creator of the universe. But in those five to 10 minutes, God will give you answers to all the problems in your life. He'll give you who you are, your identity. He'll give you your purpose for your life, et cetera, right? So this is the power of it. And people have being, been set free in this holy hour challenge. So that's why I do it. And I'm building the reputation, for, uh, sorry, the reputation, the relationship mm -hmm. an hour a day. Why is it so important to you to really get the message out of pray every day? Yeah, because I, it's my lifeline. Like I can't imagine life without it. And I, I kind of follow the philosophy of brother Lawrence, who he basically just every time he was, whatever he was doing in the monastery, he was washing dishes and praising God and washing dishes and praying for people and thanking God and having gratitude. And that's kind of, it's this breathing of I'm praying all day long. And so pray every day is just an extension of what I'm already doing. Um, this continual conversation with the spirit within me. And uh, yeah, it's, it's the oxygen. So I, I don't know what to do without it. <laughs> Got so it. I guess, now you yeah. built up that, you built up that, right? But before you started praying every day, like you didn't know what you were missing, right? Exactly, because I didn't realize that um, my success in life is tied to, and I mean like emotional and spiritual success, is tied to my connectedness to my creator. Mm. And the more I'm connected to him, the more peaceful I'll be, the more measured I'll be, the, the more loving my response will be, the more I'm able to forgive and let go. That's it, BC Nation. Listen, life is full of crap, right? Mm -hmm. There's douche everywhere. There's noise, there's distractions. It's meant to be that way. It's a passing ground. It's not home, right? So we're only here for a short amount of time. So Mary, you spoke about Brother Lawrence, and I'm just going to push back a little bit, not for confrontation, but as a question. Brother Lawrence gets to be in a monastery somewhere and he's got all the quiet time he can handle. He's not out consumed by the noise and distraction of the world. So it's easier. I mean, I could do that too. It's easier to get quiet with God when your environment's quiet. What about when your environment's noisy as heck? You're, you're a, a single mom, right? And you're raising three kids on your own and you're changing diapers and kids are crying and throwing tantrums and fits and you're all alone. Maybe you're a widow, etc., And you're working two jobs, putting yourself through school. How do I spend quiet time with God then? Yeah. So I, I definitely hear you and I've been in those places before. And one of my favorite prayers to pray during those kind of chaotic moments is I can't, you can help. So very fast. I can't, you can help. Five words. And the Lord just, he answers that prayer. I can't do this on my own. You can help me, help me. And uh, so anybody can do that. It takes four seconds maybe to say that. And, um, and the Lord is so good. He's everywhere, but he immediately comes to your aid. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't work toward having holy habits like what you're doing. Um, and I also believe, like you said, that we do find the Lord in the quiet. And so I would just say, combine a couple things. There's lots of different spiritual pathways to God. And it could be that you need to listen to worship music or you need to go outside. For me, it's going outside and taking a walk. I hear from God in nature. And so I'm combining 
exercise and I'm combining listening to God. And so that also helps with scheduling issues as well. Love it. So BC Nation, Mary dropped a wisdom explosion on you right there, right? Your prayer every day when you're in the mud, when you're in the chaos of life, there's nothing wrong. That's just what life is, right? But when you're in that chaos, look up to your heavenly father and say, I can't, you can help, (laughs) right? That's such a great prayer. I love it. That's powerful. And then create holy habits. Don't just quit there and be in this life of reactions, but actually get proactive about it. And I could say firsthand as a businessman, an entrepreneur, and an alpha male who has a very um, busy brain with all these thoughts going on, it seemed impossible to me 80 days ago, eight zero days ago, when I took on this 40-day holy hour challenge doing a Facebook Live. Seemed impossible. Like, how am I going to do an hour a day? What? Ah, I got too much going on with my business and everything. It was the decision that I would do it and declaring it out loud to others that held me accountable. And then people I knew were going to show up for the Facebook Live, right? So I had this built-in accountability that made me show up. Why? Because I'm human and I don't want to look bad in front of people. That's the honest truth. Mm -hmm. So I showed up just for status probably in the beginning, just to be real about it. But what God will use even that, if you schedule time in your calendar, pick what time of day, block out one hour, 60 minutes. I'm telling you, it's a game changer for your life. Mary knows this. I know this. She goes on, you know, out into nature and she does her exercise during that time. She combines two things. That's fantastic. I have people that come on and do the 7.30 a.m. with me live or They click the replay at 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. every day, but that's their time. So block out an hour in your day and God will literally take over your life if you come and show up with him. Mary, what shows up for you in that? Yeah, um, I think just the beauty of the quiet. We live in a really noisy world and especially, I think it's getting worse and worse every day. And to be able to turn off notifications for a moment and to put your phone away uh, is, is hard, but it's a really good practice. All right. I got to say this because it just occurred in my mind. So you're listening to Broken Catholic with Mary and Joseph. <laughs> did you see yes. what I did there? And you know what? Uh, one of my, my first child was born on Christmas Eve. So uh, that was kind of interesting too. We didn't call her Noel, but uh, it would have so, been. So listen, real quick, I uh, started a new podcast with um, Mary uh, Goulet and um, it's called Catholicism is Cool with Mary and Joseph. <laughs> it's hilarious, right? So anyway, all right. So BC Nation, I could keep going in this conversation with Mary because this is just so good. There's so much depth and beauty to God's love for you. There's just so much. And the only way he can get through the noise and the distraction in your life is if you actually schedule time with him. No different than if, if I told you tomorrow, I will pay you uh, $1,000 in cash every day that you show up with me and sit for an hour. How many of you would show up? Every single day you show up, you, I hand you $1,000, 10 $100 Benjamins. Ten of them every day. How many of you would show up every single day for an hour? You would make time in your schedule, wouldn't you? How much more 
does the creator of the universe want to give to you in your life? Right? I think that's a powerful message. So a three-step formula to heal from trauma. Step one, according to Mary, become gutsy and tell your story and tell it over and over and over again. And the healing happens when you share the story because you're bringing light into the darkness, right? And that's where God's love replaces the shame, right? That's the only way it happens. Mary says, step two, what wounds us is what heals us. So plug into the body of Christ, right? Share with other people, have other people pray for you, pray for your healing, plug in to that community. That's super powerful. And step three, be a hero to someone else. Mary believes that we are set free to set others free, right? Really sit with that. Those are your, that's your three-step formula. Let's wrap this up. So Mary, my favorite part of the show, broken Catholic, see the pun here. Welcome to the confession round. <laughs> okay, here we are, go. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm go. ready. I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. <laughs> okay. Just for fun, don't overthink it. Are you ready? Yep. All right, what's your favorite sound, Mary? Uh, my husband's voice. It's <laughs> like a big heart right there. I know, right? Love it. What's your least favorite sound? My dog's bark that happened during the interview today. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. That's like a podcaster's nightmare. I know. You know like, uh, What are you most afraid of? Um, not being noticed. Mm, get that. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Worrying about what other people thought of me. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, that they aren't who they say they are. Mm. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That he loves me. Yeah. Simple, Simple. but powerful. <laughs> what do you wish you were better at? Uh, morning discipline routines, probably. Hey, I have this 40-day holy hour <laughs> challenge know, right? starting yep, again in seven days. <laughs> uh, what dream are you scared of pursuing? I don't know because I keep doing it. So I, I can't think of one. Got it. What's a new habit you want to form? Um, better exercise toward a, ha a, a Olympic triathlon. Excuse me. Dang. <laughs> I've done a sprint. So I'm, I'm trying to get to an Olympic distance. That's awesome. What's a bad habit you want to break? Uh, sugar. Yeah, that's a big one. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Free, joyful, and productive. And pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God in your life. Uh, definitely broken, suicidal, and empty. Wow. That just summed up half the population. Mm -hmm. I get that. And last question, Mary, if you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends, look your kids in the eyes and tell them only one piece of advice. What would you say to them? Well, I would just go back to what Jesus said. He said, love God, love others. So I would say that. Excellent. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God versus not? He has affection for us. And in the Old Testament talks about him singing over us. And when someone sings over someone else, there's something very powerful about that. So picture God singing over you. Love it. BC Nation, we have had the honor and privilege of chatting with Mary DeMuth. You can find her at marydemuth.com or go listen to her podcast called Pray Every Day. You can find that at prayeveryday.show. 
prayeveryday.show. And Mary, what's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you if they choose? Yeah, so they can just go to marydemuth.com and uh, all that information is there and all my Twitter handles and stuff are just at Mary Demuth. So at Mary Demuth, Instagram, Mary Demuth, all those, my name over, all over and over and over again. <laughs> awesome. Now take 60 seconds and talk to us about your book called Jesus Every Day. Yeah, Why so should I, wrote, I read it? You should read it because it is a prayer every day for a year based on scripture. So it takes you through the book of the whole book of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation in order, a scripture every day. And then it gives you a prayer to pray to God for the year. Love it. My favorite prayer from today is I can't, you can help. <laughs> I love it. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. And I wish you God's love, God's peace, and God's joy in your heart, girl. Thank you so much. I'm right back at you. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.